Genesis 31, I've entitled the message, Living in the Fog. Living in the Fog. Fog standing for favor of God. Living in the Fog. Genesis chapter 31, go right to verse 1. Reading from the New International Version tonight. Are you ready? Jacob heard that Laban's sons were saying, Jacob has taken everything our father owned and has gained all this wealth from what belonged to our father. And Jacob noticed that Laban's attitude towards him was not what it had been. Then the Lord said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your father's and to your relatives. And I will be with you. So Jacob sent word to Rachel and Leah to come out to the fields where his flocks were. And he said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me is not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. You know that I've worked for your father with all my strength. Yet your father has cheated me by changing my wages ten times. However, God has not allowed him to harm me. If he said, the speckled ones will be your wages, then all the flocks gave birth to speckled young. And if he said, the streaked ones will be your wages, then all the flocks bore streaked young. So God has taken away your father's livestock and has given them to me. In breeding season, I once had a dream in which I looked up and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, and spotted. The angel of God said to me in a dream, Jacob, I answered, Here am I. And he said, Look up and see that all the male goats mating with the flock are streaked, speckled, and spotted. For I have seen all that Laban has been doing to you. I am the God of Bethel, where you anointed the pillar, and where you made a vow to me. Now leave this land at once and go back to your native land. Then Rachel and Leah replied, Do we still have any share in the inheritance of our father's estate? Does he not regard us as foreigners? Not only has he sold us, but he has used up what what was paid for us. Surely all the wealth that God took away from our father belongs to us and our children. So do whatever. God has told you. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for what you're going to do tonight, what you've already done. What a feast. And we just bless you and honor you. If you have the freedom to pray in the Spirit, just do it right now. Hallelujah. Move beyond the confines of our mind, O God. Release truth. Release revelation that causes a revolution. Move in power tonight. May we never be the same after the word is preached. God, we thank you and praise you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes for you. I think my only regret tonight is that I'm not preaching this on a Sunday morning to to the rest of the church that come on Sunday morning. But... I'm thankful that on a Tuesday night there's a bunch of people that are hungry and thirsty for the Word of God. And I just believe that God's hand selected you to give you something from His table. And it's going to be great, I believe. There are three very profound 
scriptures that talk about favor that jump out at me when I talk about the fog or the favor of God. The first one is in Genesis 6, 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of God. The preacher of righteousness, Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Also in Exodus 33, verse 12 and 13, is Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me lead these people, but you have not let me know where you will send me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Moses is reminding the Lord that you said, I've found favor with you. In Luke chapter 1, the third scripture, verse 25, the Lord has done this for me. This is Elizabeth, she said. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. Elizabeth was barren. Zechariah got visited by an angel at the time of incense. He was offering incense, something a priest would do perhaps once in his life. Angel showed up and said, the prayer you used to pray, that's the original language in the Greek, the prayer you used to pray has been answered, and bam, his wife becomes pregnant. She had been barren, they're almost like Abraham and Sarah, and she says, I've found favor. One of the greatest forms of blessings from God, the blessings of God, is favor. I want you to say, God, give me favor. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse 1, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release darkness for the prisoners, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In Luke chapter 2 and verse 14, the angels giving the birth announcement, Glory to God in the highest, and peace to those from whom his favor rests. You see, the whole point is, in the introduction of this message, God sent his son Jesus to die on a cross and rise again from the grave. And he's done that so we could all have his favor. Every single person who names the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior should walk in favor. That's just something that God will release on you. But I've noticed that not all believers walk in favor. Some people do. Some people don't. And as I prayed about this, and as I meditated on I went to lunch with one of uh, a brother and I thought about situations that he was going through and situations that I'm going through and have been through and and future situations that lie ahead. And I realized what I need is God's favor. What he needs is God. What what you need is God's favor. But you don't need it for just a moment. You need to learn to live in it. I'm thankful for a moment of favor. That's great. But I need favor tomorrow. I need favor the next day. I know I'm going to need favor next year. You need favor every single day of your life. And that's why I've entitled it Living in the Fog or Living in the Favor of God. Now, throughout the Bible, there are those who sought God's favor. Fill in the notes, sought God's favor. And when they received it, everything changed for good. You can look at the life of David. He sought God's favor when he got it. Everything changed with Absalom in 2 Samuel 5. Nehemiah, two times Nehemiah prays in the book of Nehemiah. Prays twice for God's favor. And God gives him favor. Manasseh, what a dirtbag king. Does anybody know the history of Manasseh? What a vile, evil, wicked king. Yet in 2 Chronicles 33 verse 11... It says, pardon me, verse 12, in his distress, that's 
Manasseh is distressed. He's, he was taken captive by Assyria, and he's in big trouble. And in his distress, he sought the favor of the Lord his God and humbled himself greatly before the God of his ancestors. And God listened to his plea. In verse 13 of Second Chronicles 33, And when he prayed to him, the Lord was moved by his entreaty and listened to his plea. So he brought him back to Jerusalem and to his kingdom. And Manasseh knew that the Lord is God. Wow. Turn to Leviticus. Watch. This is a great scripture. Leviticus chapter 26. I love the word of God. I love the Old Testament. Come on. We're just going to try to feed you a good meal tonight. Leviticus 26 verse 9. Now I'm going to take this for the, my scripture like for the rest. of. I think this is where we're at as a church. I think this is where the body of Christ is at if we position ourselves rightly. And I believe that this is a scripture for me. This is rhema for me today. Leviticus 26, verse 9, I will look on you with favor, and I will make you fruitful and increase your numbers, and I will keep my covenant with you. You will still be eating last year's harvest <laughs> when you will move out of the night, you'll have to make room for the new. In other words, I'm going to bless you so big that when the new harvest comes in, you're still going to have a whole bunch of harvest from the harvest before. Somebody say, that's favor. I will look with you with favor. Well, how do we live in God's favor? Let's look at the life of Jacob. That's the text that we read tonight. How do we live in the fog? Living in the fog. Walking in the fog. How do you live in the favor of God? First of all, Jacob, in the text that we read, Jacob saw that all, he, all that he had was a result of God's favor, His blessing on his life. If you look at verse 6 from the text that we read, verse 6 says, You know that I have worked for your father with all my strength, yet your father's cheated me, cheated my, and changed my wages ten times. However, harm me. He saw the protection on his life or the favor on his life had come from God. And he praised God for it. Verse 9, it says, So God has taken away your livestock. Who took away Laban's livestock? God. He sees his blessing coming from God. So favor, favor comes from God. Blessing comes from God. In, in chapter 30, the chapter before the one we read, verse 27, even Laban said, I've found favor in your eyes. Please stay. I've learned by divination. What an idiot. But anyway, he learned by divination that the Lord had blessed me because of you. Do you know that some of you on the job, your job is blessed because you live, because you go there. And that if you didn't go there, the blessing might not be on your job. I'm telling you, I've known people that when they got hired somewhere, all of a sudden things began to rise in that business, in, in, in the economy of that business. Because simply there was a, a on-fire person who was living in the fog, living in the favor of God, that happened to be employed by that company, and they ended up blessed. I worked for a company. They were doing good when I became, uh, I, when I got on their staff. But after I got on the staff and a number of others, and the, and the boss got saved, they became the number one company and we're making millions of dollars, far exceeded everybody else. I know for a fact it's because I worked for them. Amen. No, I, and, 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 and they got saved and they were living biblical principles. It wasn't just because I was there. Sometimes we like to think about that. But the truth is Laban understood he was blessed because Jacob was there. And I'm telling you, some of you, the places that you work are blessed. You need to understand that blessing will follow you. 
goodness and mercy. It's not your fault. Surely. You ever notice how they're always talking to Shirley? I've wondered who that was. Shirley, goodness and mercy will follow you. Any Shirley's in here? Shirley, you might get that on the way home. Goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. So the favor of God was passed down. It's the second thing we see in this text. The favor of God was passed down from a previous generation. Verse 5, he said to them, I see that your father's attitude towards me was not what it was before. But the God of my father has been with me. Interesting. Turn to Genesis 28. The God of my father has been with me. Favor and blessing is generational. It's a generational thing. When I say, well, that doesn't work for me because I came from a generation of hobos. You know, my dad was a, was a, a, a frequent, you know, visitor of the pub. In fact, he owned a pub. And my mama... Well, she was a lady of the night. Look, it doesn't matter who your mama was. It doesn't matter who your dad is, although it's great to have a generation that are living for God. But the truth is, if you've given your heart to Jesus, it doesn't matter what your mama did. It doesn't matter what your papa did. You've got a new daddy. Come on, you've got a new anointing. You've got a grace that will come upon you. Yeah, I said this the other day, but the truth is, if you had an abusive home, praise God, you can come to a church like this and get a new dad. And I don't mean your heavenly father. You need that, of course, but you need somebody also in your life who will tell you when to shut up. Somebody who will help you, love you, disciple you, train you. So if you didn't really have it, the kind of dad that you wanted, or you know he was real abusive, you can just, you know, praise God for getting spiritual fathers. I've got a number of them. The favor of God was passed down from a previous generation. According to the words of Jacob, and you see it throughout Scripture. Genesis 28, verse 3. Genesis 28. May God, this is the blessing of his father Isaac on Jacob. He deceived his father. It says, May, the God, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of people. May He give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham. There it is, generational. So that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner. The land God gave to Abraham. So favor can be passed down from generation to generation. You know, it's not about you. Sometimes we say, like, well, where's my favor? You know, think about this. Think about who will have favor if you live for God. Think about the next generation that if you live for God, if I live for God, which I will, me and my house will serve the Lord. As we go ahead in God, there's a favor that will be released to this next generation. What will happen if you don't? Come on, the Ten Commandments, this just happened over the past uh, about five days. The Lord spoke to me and said, Son, I want you to print out the Ten Commandments and put them all over your house. I want you to print seven copies of the Ten Commandments and put them everywhere. And make sure your kids memorize it. Now, we've done that before in our house. But it was interesting. And so I did it. I pulled up the Ten Commandments online. I printed out the Ten Commandments. I, I posted it in the bathroom. I put it on both kids' walls. I put it by my entry. I, I put the Ten Commandments everywhere, and I've just begun to read through them. Do you know that there's a blessing? Deuteronomy 28 says, if you put these things before your eyes, that God will bless you. You meditate on His law day and night, and He'll prosper you according to, come on, according to the, the Word of God. Favor. Everybody say, God, give me favor for a lifetime. Now, this is one of my main scriptures right here. Proverbs 18.22. This is me. That's mine. 
He who finds a wife finds a good thing and receives favor. Any other men have favor in here. All right, now that goes for ladies. Do any ladies got favor? Where's my wife? You better raise your hand. Amen. As I said, you might be born dysfunctional family. There really isn't any family that doesn't have some measure of dysfunction in it. Just start rejoicing and realize you can make a new, you can make a new family today. You can, you can make a new culture in your family. It doesn't have to go on the same stupidness generation after generation. You can change things. It, it really takes an act of violence, spiritual violence, to do it. Thirdly, we see that being obedient to God helps you to have favor. Favor was passed down from generation to generation, but be obedient. Everybody say, be obedient. This is a fascinating scripture, Daniel 9, 13. I'll read it to you. I've, I've put it in your notes, and you can look it up later and underline it in your, in your Bible if you like. Just that it was written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. You see, what Daniel is doing, under, I, I need to just pitch my tent on this for a second. There is a principle that's called identificational repentance. Everybody say it. Identificational repentance. That Daniel was carried off as a, off as a captive. Now, I'm sure he stumbled and stuff, but it, it wasn't Daniel's big sin that caused Israel to get walloped by, by Babylon. It was the sins of his father's. Nehemiah, when the cupbearer to the king in the book of Nehemiah, hears about the report of the walls being burned with fire and torn down and, and the disgrace that his city was in. He wept for many days and then he repented. He said, God, forgive our fathers, forgive us and our fathers for our sin. You see, Daniel's saying, man, we need to entreat God's favor. I'm going to repent for my daddy. Now, I'm simplifying it. But listen, if you haven't repented for the sins of your fathers, I highly suggest you do it. Why? Because you need God's favor. And it says in the Ten Commandments, they shall make no graven image before me. That's the second commandment. It goes on. It's the first one with a promise. It's on it. Uh, pardon me. We need to look there. Look, look, look. Turn my mess it up. I'm... I tried to memorize the Ten Commandments, and I'm, I'm slipping. Jesus, help me. Exodus 20. Turn there. Quick, quick. Hurry up. I think I damaged my brain years ago, and the Lord's restoring it. Am I the only I know I'm not the only one. I have the mind of Christ. Exodus chapter 20, verse... Okay, here we go. Verse 2, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Commandment number one, you shall have no other gods before me. Commandment number two, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them for I am the Lord your God and a jealous God. Watch this. Punishing the children for the sins of the fathers to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. But showing love to a thousand... That's me. Showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. 
There is a curse that comes down. I came this close to preaching on it tonight. I think I might get it on Sunday night. I'm going to preach on deliverance. going to talk about demons. going to talk about getting free. And the truth is many people are bound and have been bound for so long. They just think it's a part of their personality. And they don't know that the enemy's using them as a pull toy. God wants to deliver them. I think we'll get it on Sunday night. Sunday morning I'm going to go after a Palm message. Message. Palm Sunday. Daniel repented for the sins of his fathers. Nehemiah repented for the sins of his fathers. I have done that, and if the Lord shows me anything else, I'm going to do it again. You need to do that. You need, you need to be obedient, and, and really, rep- being obedient to God is to say, Lord, I want to live for you. In Psalm 5, verse 12, surely, there's surely again, <laughs> Lord, You bless the righteous, you surround them with favor as with a shield. Psalm 84, 11, for the Lord your God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk is blameless. Proverbs 12, 2, good people obtain favor from the Lord, but he condemns those who devise wicked schemes. My son came into my into my bedroom early in the morning. And he said, Dad. I said, what? He said, the wicked's hands ensnare them. I said, what? He said, the wicked's hands ensnare them. And I said, really? My eight-year-old son. I said, son, do you know what that means? He goes, no. (laughs) So I taught him what a snare was. It's a trap wicked's hands and snare him, but a righteous man has favor. Proverbs 8, 35, those who find me talking of wisdom, those who find me, it's a personification of wisdom in Proverbs 8, 8, 35, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Proverbs 3 and 4, Proverbs 3, verse 3 through 4. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor. Win what? Favor. If you're faithful, you'll have favor. Love and faithfulness. You know, Joseph's story always amazes me. Joseph's one of my heroes. Never aborted his dream. And God gave him favor. He was thrown in a pit, sold into slavery. You think you had it bad. His brother sold him into slavery. He then goes to Potiphar's house and begins to be elevated, favors on him yet again. And Jezebel, by another name, Potiphar's wife, comes, grabs Joseph and says, sleep with me. I love what he says. He says, I can't do this wicked thing before God or before before Potiphar. You see, God sees everything. And she screamed, ah, and he ran and he got thrown in jail. Yet he prospered in jail. Everywhere he went, he had favor. You know, Joseph could have aborted God's favor in his life. And you can abort God's favor too. Favor comes to those who live for God. Favor comes to those who are righteous. Favor comes upon a believer. But if you do stupid stuff, you won't have favor. You won't have it. Joseph could have aborted God's dream. Joseph could have aborted the favor. You know, it's not just you're going to get it because you say Jesus or something. 
You know what amazes me? That some people, they come in and they, they receive the Lord, praise God, but they never give themselves to discipleship. So they come to church occasionally and they wonder why God hasn't restored everything like he did for Job. Lord, I read Job. My life's almost as bad as that. Give me a break. And you know, I don't have everything, hardly anything restored. First of all, you see how much Job had? And God was going to restore it how many times? A hundred times, I think it is. How many of you got a fair amount of stuff right now? Blessing, relationship, right? Okay, God forbid that it would be wiped out. But can you imagine what it would take to give you what you have times a hundred? How many kids you got? How many kids you got? How many kids? Two. Multiply that times a hundred. Now, do you think that Chanel can have that many kids in just a couple years? No. Right. The point is, it takes some time for full restoration. It just doesn't happen in a year. Give me a... Where's my brothers? Hey, I was so bent out of shape when I went to my discipleship center, and I was out for a whole year, and I wasn't the president of the United States. I thought God had absolutely blown it, and I'm saying, Oh, Jesus, you said you were going to restore all the years the locusts have taken. I've been serving. I've been serving God for two whole years. Oh, don't you love me, God? Give me a break. You jack your life for 15 years. Is anybody else with me? I did that. Messed my life up. I'm serving God for two years. And I wonder, whoa, doesn't God love me? You just been to McDonald's too much for the love of God. Come on. You just went to get a happy meal one too many times. God is not in some plastic window looking for you to give him a couple change and a half servant's heart. And he's going to hand you a happy meal with all the blessings. Doesn't happen that way. Hey Amen. you got to serve God. It takes a little while. Thank God it doesn't take it. didn't take as long as it did for me to jack it up. I think I just encouraged myself. Look at D. You've got to humble yourself. When God called Jacob, when God called Jacob to return home, I don't think he wanted to go. You know why? Because his brother, who he totally ripped off, Esau, wasn't really happy with him. He took his birthright, so he's going to go back home and have the family feud. You can see this in in Genesis 32. Genesis 32, turn there real quick. Turn to Genesis 32. Come on, we're looking at a bunch of words tonight. Come on, somebody say, Jesus, I want to live in the fog all my life. Genesis 32, verse 9. Then Jacob prayed, Oh, God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you have said to me, Go back to your country, to your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all this kindness. See the humility and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I have only my staff when I cross this Jordan, but now I've become two camps. Save me, I pray. From the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers and the children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and will make you descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Do you hear the humility? 
He wasn't, he wasn't so much like that when he first crossed over the Jordan. When you go through life, you live long enough, you will begin to understand that if God doesn't bless you, you ain't going to have nothing. You live long enough, you realize without the favor, it doesn't matter how much money you have, you're broke. You need the favor of God. I mean, we need the love of God. The favor of God more than anything else. And sometimes it's hard when we leave everything and we go. But watch this. This will encourage you later. There's no saying that if you stay where you were with all the stuff that you had, there's no saying you would have, you would have been able to keep it because you've been in disobedience. So as much blessing as you might have in a certain area and God tells you to go this way and you don't know how to do it. You don't know how to do it. And you're going to have to leave your stuff, leave your relationships, go to this place, little scary, holy smokes. In the dead of January, you'd just be like, it's cold. I need some sunshine. I'm short on vitamin D. Jesus, what are you doing? There's no saying that if you hadn't obeyed God, that the stuff that you might have tried to hold on to wouldn't be gone. See, blessing and favor is contingent on obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. You must trust and obey. Remember that one? I don't, but I heard one other guy sing it before, so I thought I might that. So he, he humbles himself. He prays. He prays. You've got to pray for the favor of God. You know, he comes to this place after that, and he, and he, and he wrestles with God. You can write it in the notes. He wrestles with God. Jacob, his, he was a deceiver, a usurper. That's what his name meant, deceiver. And he comes to this place where he realizes there's not one stinking thing he can do about turning his situation around. And when you look at the life of Jacob, he's just like us. Really. I mean, he did everything to manipulate. He did everything to try to, to, try to get his way. You know, do not be deceived. God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. He rips off his brother and he goes and he sees Rachel and he's like, ah. I mean, he's just, wow. He's excited. He sees her and says, oh yeah, that's her. And he says, I want to marry her. And he works a deal with Laban. He says, for seven years. <laughs> He works for seven years. Finally, the wedding night comes. Kiss the bride. They peel the veil back. Ah! He got the ugly one. Come on, the very thing he was doing got done to him. His whole life was about trying to get the blessing of God, but by his own arm, by his own strength. Constantly trying to do it his way. You know, I did it my... That's a stupid song. You know 
do your way. Your way will cause you to crash and burn. Just ask Frank. He's not around anymore, so I don't think we can ask him anymore. He wrestles with God. He gets to this place where he realizes if God doesn't come through for me, it will not happen. Let me just say this to you. If God doesn't come through for you, then you will have nothing. Nothing. If God doesn't come through for you and release his blessing on your life, if God doesn't give you favor, you ain't going to go anywhere. And the truth is, if he doesn't do that for you and it begins to happen, it might not have come from God. Hello? God brings it. Look, Jesus, help me. You've got to understand this. I'm going to pitch my tent for one more moment. She's laughing at me. I'm going over here. She remembered some blooper I saw and really messed me up there for a second. What were we talking about? No, favor. I gotta get away from the blooper. <laughs> yes. What am I talking about, Micah? Somebody read some notes to me. Jesus, help me right now. Oh yeah, okay, I got it. Thanks. Thanks for the help. Jacob came to a place when he realized if God doesn't come through for him, it ain't gonna happen. Let me just tell you, there is no way that you will be able to fulfill your destiny in God unless God helps you. Unless God comes on you, unless God anoints you, unless God gives you favor, you will not fulfill your destiny. You won't. Apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15. That means all the stuff you're doing, if he's not doing it through you, then guess what? You're doing nothing. No matter how big the paycheck is, no matter how good it looks, no matter what kind of success you might have in the eyes of the world, it's a big, fat, knit Nothing. Zero. Nada. It's nothing. I mean, that's a sobering thought. And so he realizes that and he wrestles with God. Some of you need to wrestle with God. Some of you need to come to a penile. Furthermore, let me say this. Until you come to the end of yourself, you will never walk in the full favor of God. You won't. And we're constantly just trying to, one leg, just kicking to stay alive. He's trying to kill you, but you're just trying to... What I mean he's trying to kill you is your flesh, the world in you. Supposed to reckon yourself dead to sin. Alive to God. So he wrestles with God. Look at... This is amazing now. In Genesis 28... Now your notes... It says, be a tither and a giver. See, Jacob understood the visible, tangible act of tithing is saying that I'm in covenant with you, that I'm, I am in covenant with you, that I'm dependent upon you. And Jacob's favor began at Bethel with his commitment to the Lord. I'll give you a tenth. I don't know where he get that. It's before the law. It's prior to the law. They've had people say, well, they're tithing's in, in the law. They don't have to tithe today. No, it's way before. In fact, the very first mention, turn to Genesis chapter 4, the very first mention of favor is connected with tithing and giving to God. Wow. Genesis 4, verse 4, 
And Abel also brought an offering of fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. You see, walking in the favor of God is not something he just pours over you. It comes out of being in relationship with him. Did anybody hear that? It's not some hocus-pocus thing where he just goes, ding, sprinkles a little pixie dust on you, and you're blessed. Somebody slings a little oil, and it's all good now. No, no. Favor, anointing, anointing, empowerment, enablement from the Spirit of God to get the job done. Anointing comes out of relationship with God. Obedience, living for Him, walking with Him. You say, well, that's just too much work for me. Well, I think you need to change the way you view that. I've told this story, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to come bring this thing to This is my first closing. When I met Karen... I just, flip, I've, I just flipped for her, and I lost her number. I was thankful that we were able to reconnect after that. And we ended up courting. Now, I worked a job, a construction job, and I had a 1969 Pontiac Le Mans with an eight, eight-cylinder, with a V8 in it. No seatbelts, hallelujah. And I just, like, used to put her picture on my dashboard over the Speedo. And I would race to get home to see her. And I'd get off work and I'd just be all, dun, 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 yeah, I'm coming. And that thing would just float around the, the poly in the corners of Maui. And man, it was just awesome. You know what's also great about having a bucket seats with no seatbelts? Is that if I turned sharp enough on a corner when she was sitting there, I would say, slide all the way right next to me. I'd be like, ah, ah. it'd be all hot and you get sweaty on the seats. You turn real sharp on the, and your girl slide right next to you. It was great. That's the way it should. Some of you are wondering where I'm going with that. That's the way it should be with your walk with Jesus. You just so love him. You can't wait to get in the Pontiac and punch it. Wow. Just want to do a four-wheel drift for the Lord. Obedience naturally become, comes naturally. Not like you have to white-knuckle it. i got to obey. i got to go to church tonight. You going to church? Yeah, i got to go. What kind of walk with God is that? Let me just tell you that your walk with Jesus is not supposed to be based on pure obedience and discipline. It's passion-driven. It's passion-driven. It's driven out of a love and a passion. You don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell me to go take to date this girl. Oh, do I have to? Oh. Do we have to go home tonight? Come on. Can't we just wait? What kind of a marriage would that be? Thanks, babe. What kind of a marriage would that be? Some of you got marriages like that. You need some healing. Some of you have a walk with Jesus like that. Just got to obey. 
Yeah, you do, but it really should come from a lo- from a heart of passion and love, a fire, fire. Well, I have to witness. What? You want? You have to witness. Yeah, I got to do these four spiritual laws. I got to read the four spiritual laws of somebody. Just hope that they're gonna, you know, that's what they say. We're doing this evangelism thing, and they're gonna have to read the, you know, you know, put Christ on the throne of your heart. That, that you know. And we wonder why we don't win souls. You come up to somebody, hi, I'd like to read something to you. God has a wonderful plan for you. Did you know that? They're like, dude, by the time you get to law number two, they're so depressed by looking at your lemon juice dipped face. I mean, they just want to run. I've got enough problems. Whatever you're sharing, I've got enough problems. I don't need another bondage test. The people that win souls, they don't even have to know any scripture. Yeah, they just walk up and say, hey, what's up? Uh, hold on. Then I, I, found, I found God. They're like, you did? Oh, yeah. I was so messed up, and now I'm free. And then I just, I want to tell you about Jesus. And they're like, you know, they're more open to receiving. It's believable. It's like the other day I, I, I won the lotto. It's about $4 million. No, you didn't. You lie. Now, if you come in doing the Mexican hat dance, hey, I won the lotto. You know, that might be believable. How did we get on that? Jesus, help me right now. Jacob followed his grandfather's example. All right, God's speaking to us. Excuse me. Let me ask you this question. Two more points. I'm done. Michael, would you come? Have we positioned ourselves to be under God's favor? Have you done what you need to do to be under the favor of God? Are you in obedience? Are you praying? Are you walking humbly before Him? Are you tithing? I know we got people from all different kinds of church tonight, but I'm going to tell you, all different churches all over. Great. Those that are online in the lower 48. Tithing's not something that we invented at KC. If you don't tithe, you're stupid. How's that? Is that does that warm your heart? The tithe should go directly to the local storehouse where you call home and you get fed. Now, I know some of you from different places, different. Don't you, don't you tithe here? If we're not your home church, you bring that back to your own church. Don't bring it here. Don't do that. It's not biblical. And you're not supposed to give your tithe to somebody who's in need either. Hello? I got like four amens on this side. <laughs> you can give them alms, but you're not supposed to give your tithe. It belongs to the storehouse. That's just one thing. So I don't know how to do that. I, you know, I, I do the math and it doesn't quite work out. You need to budget. You need to learn to figure it out. And when you live for God with all your heart, you know, every area of your life, favor will come on you and he will help you. He will help you. You know, I remember a time when I didn't want to tithe and didn't until I, till I met Karen. She was like, oh, yeah, let's tithe. I thought, what? They're money bunch of grubbers, one trying to rip me off. I need my money. And I realized I was the one with the money problem. 
Now, maybe it was easy for you. For me, it wasn't easy. And it, it was amazing how I never had enough money, how I always seemed to have this financial issue everywhere. And not only that, I saw it in my family, at least on one line. And I just realized, you know what? I have no one that has a money problem. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey you. I'm going to live for you. I want your full blessing. I'm going to tithe. It hurt. You don't figure, you don't figure out how it hurt. I mean, it's only 10%, 10 cents on a dollar. Come on, God can turn your situation on a dime, ladies and gentlemen. That's just tithing. Every area of your life, you live in the favor of God by doing these different things. Have you positioned yourself for God's favor? If you've got bitterness in your heart and you're keeping it there, well, you're not going to have God's favor on you. If you've got unforgiveness towards your mama, towards your papa, towards your siblings maybe, you will not have God's favor. Furthermore, it says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us a day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses or forgive us our debts or forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sinned or trespassed against us. You are mandated to forgive that person. And if you don't, guess what? You still have your sin remaining in your life. Whoa, I don't think I like that. How that let that be a motivator. Have you positioned yourself to be under God's favor? Ask yourself the question. One more point, and we're done tonight. God wants us to be under his favor for a lifetime. God wants you to live in his favor, live in the fog, live in the favor of God your whole life. And I think Moses said it best out of anybody in Scripture. How do I continue in your favor? So he was talking to God on the mountain. You said you'd send us. I want to know your ways. I want to continue. You said I found favor in your eyes. I want to continue in your favor. I want to continue. I know that I've had God's favor in my life. I know that I have his favor. I mean... Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I just get good parking spots all year long. Get parking spots so we don't have to walk as far in the winter. You know, just believe that God's favor is on us. But I want His favor to stay. Live in God's favor. Living in the fog. It's conditional. It doesn't just happen because you showed up tonight or something. Stand up on your feet. Give God a hand clap tonight. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your favor. Your favor. Come on, let's just, let's ask him for favor right now. Lord, we ask you for favor. We ask you for favor. Something the Spirit of God just really rung during the message was this identificational repentance. Let's repent for the the sins of our forefathers tonight. Let's repent for where we've blown it, of course. But let's repent for those who've gone before us. Come on, it's a new day. God, we just ask you to forgive our forefathers, mothers, uncles, those who went before us in our bloodline, on our father's side and on our mother's side. We apply, we appropriate the blood of Jesus tonight over those sins. And we ask, Lord, that you would wash them away. You would break every curse. You would break every assignment and decree that's been written because of sin. And that you would break it, even in the areas of chemical imbalance, 
and um, emotional woundedness. There's some people here, you've struggled with some emotional things all your life, and you really just thought, well, that was just me. No, I see tonight, this specifically for one woman, I believe, but it could be for others. If it's, if it's ringing true, just take it. There's specifically a, an assignment on your emotions that's been passed down even from your mother's side. And if you'll, if you'll just repent and cut that thing off in faith, you're going to begin to see things change tonight. So, Lord, we, come on, just repent. If that's you, ask God to just forgive your, your, your mother and that. Just close it off. Cut it off by the grace of God tonight in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name. Lord, and we decree that we are a new creation in Christ. That we can choose to live for you and pass down favor even unto a thousand generations should you tarry. We realize that without your favor, Lord, we will not be able to get done what we need to have done. Give us favor. Give us influence. Put us in places where we can preach and declare and demonstrate the gospel of the kingdom. Come on, just ask God one more time. Say, Lord, give me favor. Give me favor. That's what you need on the job. That's what you need. You need favor. You need favor. Position yourself. If you've not positioned yourself for favor, get after it. Obedience, humility, prayer, tithing, giving, loving people. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise. Need you, Lord. Need you, Lord. Need you, Lord. Today, today, today. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you. I need you, Lord. Today. Everybody sing, I need you. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord. Today. I got favor, Lord. I need favor, Lord. I need favor, Lord. Today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're not right with God tonight, the very first step to walking in favor is you got to give your heart to Him. You got to ask Him to forgive you. You gotta ask him to come into your heart and be your Lord and be your Savior. You gotta repent. That's the first step. Maybe you're here, you've never given your heart to Jesus. Or maybe you have and you've not been living for him. You need to get right with God tonight, whether it's the first time or make a recommitment. All across this place, if that's you, slip your hand up right now. You want to get right with God. Slip your hand up right now. Just slip your hand up. God bless you. See it. Let's see that hand. Thank you. God bless you over there. Thank you. 
Thank you. In the back, I see that hand. God bless you. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I see that hand. Those of you online, those listening by podcast, I see that hand back there. Thank you, son. Bless you. God bless you. I see that hand. Come on, let's just pray. Right out loud, everybody say, Dear Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Come into my life. Make me new. Thank you for rising again from the grave. Raise my life up and make me brand new. Wash me and cleanse me. Use me to fulfill your purpose for my life in the earth. Give me a hunger for the word, a hunger for your presence, and for fellowship with other believers. Heal me. Free me from every bondage. Break every chain. Break every curse. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. Holy Spirit, come. Fill and touch. Touch them. Fill them. Ben, I have a word for you. I have a, Ben, right? I have a word for you, Ben. You're part of what I call the, a revival generation. There's a fire that is being set on the inside of you that honestly is going to make some on-fire people look backslid. There's, there's coming to you even in the night, might even be tonight, series of dreams and a release of God's grace that's going to be upon you. There's, there, there's grace, there's favor, there's all of that. But I see you, I see you preaching. I see you prophesying. I see you flowing and going. There's, there's decisions that are before you. He's going to make it plain. He's going to make it clear. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered to the Lord. And, and the, the former things are gone. Behold, I do a new thing. That, in fact, that is the essence of the word I have for you. Forget the former things. I do a brand new thing. Even from this night, there's something stirring on the inside of you. You give yourself to it, and you watch the doors get kicked down, burned down. Every obstacle is going to move away. I see finances being released to you. I see, I see resources being released to you. There's a, some dreams and things that have stirred even in your heart since you were a small boy. And the Lord's going to cause those things to be birthed. You're like a Joseph. And and some have misunderstood you all of your life. But now is the time of my favor, says God. And I'm going to launch you, Benjamin. I'm going to launch you. And watch and see what I'll do. Give yourself fully to that fire and that passion. There'll be those that don't understand it. Don't worry about it. There's a whole other generation that's wildly on fire. And we're going to touch the whole nation. We're going to touch the nations of the earth. Amen? I believe you're called to full-time ministry, Benjamin. I believe that. I believe that. And I don't know how that's all palling out. Maybe it might be in business because I do see a business mantle upon you also. Man, I'm getting some stuff for you. Come here, man. Sometimes it happens like that for me. I see an entrepreneurial thing uh, stirring within you too. It's really a two-fold mantle. A mantle for ministry and a mantle for business. Just exactly like Joseph. There's a Joseph sort of mantle upon you and he's going to prosper you and he's going to bless you you're going to fund the kingdom but you're going to be like a ordained 
entrepreneurial guy. And there's some ideas that you have, and I'm going to continue to breathe on those things, and I'm going to connect you with people rightly in this next season to be able to birth some of those ideas that you have. You're a man that knows how to work hard. You're a man who hears the voice of the Lord, although you've doubted yourself at times. There is, there's coming this new grace and fire to get the job done. And to continue, here's the warning. Continue to remain accountable to those who, you're, who you've been in covenant with, those who really know you. Live in accountability. Don't just go off half-cocked. Take aim. Pull that thing back. Put it in the crosshairs. Double-check. Is this the shot? That's the shot. Bam! And you're going to be so prospered and blessed, it's going to be overwhelming. Amen? Amen? But he can trust you with it. He's going to do it. God bless you, man. Come on, take someone by the hand all across this place. This is prophesy over the guest night. All right. Take someone by the hand. Pastor Karen, would you join me up on the platform? Tom and Crystal, is your last service? Oh, just come here, come here, come here, come here, come here. Here, reach your hands towards these guys. Let's bless them. They're heading back to the lower 48. Father, we thank you for Tom and Crystal. We ask God that your traveling mercies would be upon them. Lord, and I thank you. For all that you're doing. Do your classes, says Pastor Daniel. I think the Lord would say that, but I'm definitely saying it. Do your classes. The season you're in is going to shift. And you won't be two weeks off. Hear me. I've, how many times have I given How many times have I done this? If, I, if I've said this to like ten different guys who are underneath me, I'm not exaggerating. None, almost none, I, none of them listen. Not one. I think you're going to listen to them. This season's going to change. And you're not going to have two weeks off. You're going to be working. It's going to be constant. And you won't have the kind of allotted time that God has allowed you to have when you return home. Enjoy your wife. Enjoy your family. Sit your booty down and do the classes. Because this season will change. All right? Amen? It's a strong word from your, your pastor. One of them. I know you're going to another church. Whatever. But you got saved here. You're mine anyway. Jesus. Thank you. Bless <laughs> Let your mantle come upon them. I thank you that they will go back into full-time ministry, not shortly, even from tonight. Lord, the season will shift. It will change. Your frustration will go. The money will come. Lord, bless them, I pray, in the name of Jesus. Take someone by the hand, Lord. Bless your people. Cause your face to shine upon them. Lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.